from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, June 5th. Some good news in the sporting world. Yesterday, the NBA Board of Governors voted to approve the 22 team format to restart this season in Orlando, Florida. And July 31st, we could have basketball back on our screens, but all the details of that, as well as what are the steps that still need to happen for that to occur, and what's life going to be like in the bubble environment at Walt Disney World, I'll explain. Meanwhile, baseball, not in such a great position, and both sides, both the players and the owners, pretty dug in in their respective positions seeming not want to negotiate, not wanting to negotiate at this point. So we'll discuss that as well. Plus, the sports world reacted to Drew Brees' comments yesterday and some very angry, some forgiving. We'll hear from them. Right now, let's get to your headlines. The NBA Board of Governors voted yesterday to approve the 22-team format to restart the league, to restart the season on July 31st in Orlando, Florida. According to ESPN, the vote was 29 to 1, with the uh, only team voting no, the Portland Trail Blazers. The National Basketball Players Association has been working with league officials on the plan, and the NBPA team player representatives have a conference call set for today to approve the proposal. NBA Adam Commissioner. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said in a statement yesterday, quote, the board's approval of the restart format is a necessary step towards resuming the NBA season. While the COVID-19 pandemic prevents formidable challenges, we are hopeful of finishing the season in a safe and responsible manner based on strict protocols now being finalized with public health officials and medical experts. Adam Silver also talking to TNT uh, Sports yesterday and saying they've learned a lot about the virus since March. One of the things we know, we've learned a lot more about the virus since we shut down in March. And the data is, is demonstrating that for the most part, there are exceptions that healthy young people are the least vulnerable. Adam Silver also on the fact that some coaches will have to maintain social distancing protocol, uh, maybe more so than others. But there are also people involved in this league, particularly some of the coaches who are obviously older people. And we also know people at any age who have underlying conditions are more more vulnerable. So we're going to have to work through protocols. And it may be, for example, certain coaches may not be able to be the bench coach. They may have to retain social distancing protocols. And maybe they can be in the front of a room a locker room or or a ballroom with a whiteboard. But when it comes to actual play, we're not going to want them that close to players in in order to protect them. So those are all issues we're continuing to work through. While the overall news is good, there might be uh, some pushback on that detail there. Adrian Wojnarowski mentioning yesterday that you might get some pushback from some of the older NBA coaches on only them wearing masks. I talked to Mike D'Antoni from Houston, Alvin Gentry, the New Orleans coach, uh, both north of 67, 
uh, about the possibility that they might have to wear masks coaching their team while other coaches, younger coaches, uh, who were in less potentially vulnerable age brackets for COVID would not be wearing masks. And, you know, both coaches really uh, pushed back at the idea of them being singled out. And I think they felt if you want to have all of the coaches wear masks because that's an important safety protocol, absolutely. But don't single us out. Adam Silver, more from him in his statement. He also talked about uh, everything going on in America right now, said, quote, We also recognize that as we prepare to resume play, our society is reeling from recent tragedies of racial violence and injustice, and we will continue to work closely with our teams and players to use our collective resources and influence to address these issues in very real and concrete ways. Adam Silver mentioning that as well in his interview yesterday. One of the NBA's best traits, he says, is tolerance. You know, whether it's retired players like Steven Jackson or, you know, current players who are speaking out on these issues. And I think just, of course, I've been listening to back and forth just now. And I think even on these issues, it's never going to be the case we're all going to agree. But I also think one of the values of the NBA has always been tolerance. So I also think we, we have to be willing to listen to each other and even accept that we're not always going to agree what the solutions are. And occasionally people are going to unintentionally say something that has a different meaning to other people. And that's one of the things we're all learning now. As for the actual format and how it will work here, Adam Silver is explaining. And ultimately, we concluded the fairest way to do this would be to take the 16 teams that as of March 11th would have qualified eight in the West, eight in the East for the playoffs, but then to take what we're calling the six other bubble teams, and that is And it turns out it's five teams in the West and one team in the East, and those are the teams that were within six games of the eighth seed. And then we would begin playing by having what we're calling seeding games, um, and that is games to determine who ultimately should be the top eight in the West and the top eight in the East. And it will also give the players an opportunity after training camp to play not quite regular season games, but meaningful games before they go right into the playoffs. So under the plan, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams will play eight regular season seeding games, a possible play-in tournament for the eighth seed and playoffs at the Walt Disney World Resort. The top 16 teams in the Eastern and Western Conferences will be joined by teams currently within six games of eighth place in the two conferences, New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington. The play-in tournament will include the number eight and number nine teams in a conference if the ninth seed finishes the regular season within four games of the eighth. In that case, the number nine seed would need to beat the number eight seed twice to earn the playoff berth, while the number eight would need one win from the two potential games. The NBA said the season's resumption also contingent on an agreement with the Walt Disney Co- Corporation, which owns ESPN, to use the Walt Disney Resort for all games, practices, and housing to create this bubble of sorts uh, to keep people safe and follow the health and safety protocols and guidelines as laid out uh, for them by experts. Teams will begin training, though, in Orlando starting July 9th through 11th, according to the ESPN report, which is just good news, uh, right, for any of us that have been missing sports and and the prospect of, well, we got good news on hockey recently as well. But the fact that uh, we could have basketball back on our screens and pretty soon we could have playoff basketball as well is it it is an exciting proposition. Uh, Brian Windhorst did bring this up about the actual scheduling as well. We could 
be seeing five or six games a day until the playoffs. I think what we're going to see is two games, two different sites in, in Walt Disney World where games are played. So you could have games overlapping or even simultaneous. And I think we're basically going to have all-day basketball. I think this is going to take five or six games a day. I think we're going to have all-day basketball throughout most of August. And then I think when the playoffs start, you may even see an NCAA-style situation where you have afternoon playoff games or early, late afternoon playoff games. But I also think that the schedule is going to be really big, Greeny. Fans are going to want to know what the schedule is. And from people at the league I've talked to, the schedule is going to follow roughly as a guide what the teams had left. But it's not going to work because obviously eight teams have been eliminated. Brian Windhorst also mentioning this is going to be a rigorous stretch. And if you win this year, you will have earned it. I'm going to tell you something. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of games at a short amount of time. And a lot of them are going to be intense games. And it's going to be rigorous. It's going to be rigorous. You are going to have to earn this title. Um, I reject the notion of an asterisk. I think it's going to be hard as hell. But I'm not going to be able to talk people out of it. Adrian Wojnarowski also mentioning players don't have a vote on this, but expects uh, that they would be on board anyway. There is nothing in the players' constitution that, that they have to have a vote on this. They have worked with the Players Association, Michelle Roberts, Chris Paul, every step of the way on the details in this 22-team uh, plan. And so it is really a formality then that the players now will take it, explain the details to their membership, and they're expected uh, to join in on approval, and uh, we will be a step closer to the league returning and resuming the 2019-20 season. Of course, I mentioned those health and safety protocols, life in the NBA bubble. What will that look like exactly? Well, players and coaches, they'll be allowed to golf, to eat at outdoor restaurants, but they have to maintain social distancing standards. The NBA also planning to have uniform daily testing for the coronavirus within the Disney campus environment. And if a player tests positive for the virus, the league's intent will be to remove that player from the team to quarantine and receive treatment individually and continue to test other team members as they play on, according to this report. Coming up next on the Blitz, quite a different situation where baseball is in and two parties that don't seem to want to budge uh, when it comes to the players and the owners. What's the latest on those negotiations? It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. It is Friday. It's just a piece of good news in itself. But also, we heard earlier in the hour the NBA Board of Governors voting yesterday to approve their return to play plan. And July 31st could be the start of that, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Also, we'll just keep going with the good news before, sadly, we get to baseball's news. But the NFL yesterday informed the league's 32 teams that coaches will be allowed back at team facilities today with the expectation that the Seahawks uh, will be among the teams whose coaches will soon be back at work. But coaches have been kept out for now as part of the safety and health protocols for COVID-19, but will now be allowed back if teams have received the clearance from local and state governments. According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, the league anticipates that only the 49ers will not be able to get into their facility today. 
Uh, as of yesterday, the Seahawks were not among those teams that had gotten approval uh, to return to their facility, but um, King County remains in phase one of the state's reopening plan, which allows for only essential businesses to be open. But the county has applied for a modified phase one of the Safe Start plan that would allow for limited openings of more businesses and which would likely clear the way for the Seahawks to have coaches return to their facility. The entire time, the NFL is trying to keep things on a level playing field. And they've stated, ideally, they would not move ahead with any plans regarding coaches and our players getting back into team facilities uh, until all 32 teams would be able to do so at once. The NFL has been allowing teams to have up to 75 employees uh, in their team facilities, but no players or coaches unless the players are in the part of the physical rehab program. The NFL also allowing teams or saying that teams um, up to 100 employees will be allowed back in buildings as of today. But with coaches not allowed in team facilities, they've been working remotely. We've been hearing stories about some of the epic Zoom calls that have been put on by Pete Carroll, Will Farrell crashing one of them, uh, as Greg Olson, of course, in character. And uh, most recently, Steve Kerr, I believe, hopping on one of those Zoom calls after everybody had watched The Last Dance to discuss with them. So pretty cool keeping them engaged that way. But uh, the Seahawks holding those virtual meetings with players as part of the league's offseason program uh, the window when teams could hold minicamp is June 15th through the 26th, but still without uh, more uh, availability based on so- local governments, that that could all be held virtually for teams. As for the Seahawks, they would likely begin training camp on July 29th. Their first preseason game is August 13th. Against the Vegas Raiders at CenturyLink Field, teams can open training camps 15 days before their first game. So July 29th, not that far off, actually. And I've been playing snippets from Pete Carroll's Flying Coach podcast all this week because it was a pretty incredible episode with Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr this week. And there was a lot of material to dig through, about 70 minutes worth. Um, Speaking of that virtual offseason, I love this from Pete. He was asked, uh, does he feel responsibility to nurture players' activism and their voices? No, I, I do. I, I want our guys to, to feel comfortable thinking for themselves and feel comfortable uh, with their thoughts and feel comfortable about expressing their thoughts um, in our environments. We work to create a, a, you know, a, you know, kind of a culture that allows for that to happen in hopes that they will find their voice and are willing to, to step out and do stuff. Our guys are really active in the community. The meetings that we just had on Monday were really, uh, really went, interestingly, our guys talked a lot about voting. And they talked a lot about making, you know, making their voice heard and, and, and helping, you know, coaches admitted that, you know, they hadn't voted in the years past, but they were going to vote like never before. And the players were saying the same thing. And, and, and we're going to make sure that we help the people around us understand how important it is. When, I mean, think about that mentality. Our guys are, are so much better informed and so much smarter than they used to be because they have so much information and, and available to them. And, uh, you know, like Pop said, they're, they're way ahead of us, man, you know, <laughs> a lot of times. And we have to be open to learn from them as well. But uh, I think that there's there, – in my situation, I'm really – promoting our guys to, to branch out and to reach out. And I'm not afraid of them to speak out. I, I, I don't, I, I like them to, uh, I'll reel them in, you know, I'm okay. We'll reel them in. <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of guys that have been pretty vocal over the years and I got no problem with that at all. They just got to be willing to, to come on back to the team and come on back to the, 
to the you know the culture that we they were in and 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 live with us. But um, I think it's really important. And I don't know how somebody could be at their best unless we keep pushing them that way. We got to keep yeah. pushing them to find themselves and find their voice. Pete Carroll also mentioning that more than ever, they need their players to be great teammates. To me, it's become more apparent how important it is to to promote teammates and team. And, and more than ever, you know, it's always been the team game for us in our sports that we played. But more than ever, the awareness of our guys to be great teammates is more valuable to me and more important to me than it ever has been in my coaching. And what that means is that you're, if you're a great teammate, then you're concerned for others. And, and the, the great Bill Russell was in our meeting room, just like you're saying, Pop, we had him in a couple years back. And out of nowhere, he said, you know, you know what it takes to be a great teammate? He said, you got to get up every morning thinking about how you can help one of your teammates be better. And I thought, holy crap, <laughs> think of that awareness that you would have, that awareness that you, you wake up in the morning thinking about your point guard. You know, you're waking up in the morning thinking about my wide receiver. What can I do to help that guy be great? Well, that kind of mentality doesn't have to only be on our teams. Why couldn't that mentality be what it feels like to be an American, that I am part of the team. I am part of this thing. And what can I do to help the people around me? You know, Kennedy said it a long time ago, you know, well, why would that not be as important as ever, as opposed to look out for what I got, protect your own, look out, you know, save me, you know, I just think it's, it's such a, um, it's a clear thought that, and it takes direction and leadership. And, and, and I know this too, Pop, you said it, that it, it's an environment of, of, you feel good about being there. You feel comfortable. You, you are a little bit happier because you know you're doing the good work. You know, you know yeah. you're helping people. And that's, that is so fundamental, but doggone, it's, it's powerful and it's important. And I, I don't feel it enough, you know, around us. I wish we could feel it more. I wish we could promote it more wherever we go. That was Pete Carroll on this week's episode of the Flying Coach Podcast. Give that a listen. Up next on The Blitz, the sports world's including some of his teammates reacting to Drew Brees, Drew Brees' comments uh, he made. I'll explain uh, what the reaction was, as well as the spectrum of really angry and upset and not forgiving to acceptance and forgiving and taking this as a teaching and learning moment moving ahead. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, June 5th. Things moving in a positive direction for both the NBA and the NFL. Things stalled when it comes to Major League Baseball, and we'll discuss uh, the contentious negotiations between these two sides in a minute. But up first, on a more positive take, we got to hear from Jerry DePoto on Danny and Gallant yesterday on where the Mariners are at and opening uh, some of their facilities and giving players an opportunity to at least play the game that they love so much and have something to do right now. I thought we'd start by kind of just asking where, where things stand. We know that you've reopened things down in the, the facility down in Arizona does that mean some players can come in and train by themselves? What are guys able to do right now? Yeah, so we've got a we've got a, a handful of players down there. I would say it's it started out as a as three or five, and and it is growing. You know, it's north of ten, closing in on on fifteen or thereabouts. It's forty man roster players who are in the area down in Peoria. Uh, we provide the open facility, the weight room, et cetera. 
with similar protocols to what we're working on, uh, I guess, in preparation for uh, a season in 2020. So when the players come in, they're running through a series of checkpoints to ensure their health. Uh, we are limiting them to right now to, to 90 minutes or thereabouts uh, in the facility, and we try to make sure that there's never more than five people on the floor. So, you know, whether it be the weight room or the hitting cages, et cetera, we're, we're limiting that to a combination of five people, whether they be, you know, strength coaches, trainers, coaches, or, or players. So, you know, they're down there and we, we've got pitchers throwing bullpens on a fairly regular basis now. Guys like Yusei Kikuchi and Yoshi Hirano and Justin Dunn. Uh, among others, the Johan Ramirez, Gerson Batista, and a lot of our young players, Kyle Lewis and Evan White and Jake Fraley are all, you know, popping in on a daily basis, JP Crawford. So there's a lot of guys that are, that are coming in and, and making use of it. And, and we hope that they continue to, and, and we'll see how much longer uh, before we, we get to the point that, that playing for real is a, is a possibility. There's obviously been a lot of public friction between baseball's owners and baseball's players, and I imagine you've talked about this with us before. It's it's a weird place to be, being a general manager, having been a former player. In your conversations with players, has it been difficult to keep the background noise between those two parties in the background and continuing to operate on a day-to-day basis as if there is a season right around the corner? Uh, I mean, to the extent that, that that's happening, sure, is the answer. It, it, it's not hard to keep the background noise out at all because that's not my responsibility, nor is it theirs. You know, it's, we, we focus on what's happening with the Mariners and what we're trying to, to get to uh, for the 2020 season and for the seasons beyond. So, all of our conversations with our players are based on, you know, helping them access whatever they need to unlock, you know, as we've referenced it, the best version of themselves. And, you know, right now, a lot of that has been data and technology because we've been in, I guess, in position to do less physically. And now that we're able to do a little more physically, I mean, the guys are constantly on Zoom calls and, and Microsoft Teams with with hitting and pitching coaches, with with all of our people. So the, the, it's roughly been as close as you can be to business as usual when the usual is that you're operating from home and you don't have a lot of access to, to the physical tools you might need. We're talking to Jerry DePoto, like we do every Thursday. We really appreciate him joining us. Uh, Jerry, this is kind of at the risk of sounding like sort of a Pollyanna version, but I, I've always thought of sports as this place, and, and it is unique in terms of the, the different demographics of people that come together in either a, a locker room or a clubhouse, that you you get people of really diverse backgrounds. It's one of the most diverse workplaces in, in America, and I don't, I don't want to overly glamorize it and say, like, oh, this is an opportunity for everybody to, to come together, or this is the solution, but I, I'm just wondering in your experience as a lifetime in baseball, whether whether the clubhouse has sort of broadened your understanding of people from different backgrounds. Oh, it absolutely has. And and I will I will say, you know, going back to, to my very first year as a draftee showing up in in, you know, extended camp for the Cleveland Indians in uh in Haines City, Florida. At the there's the 
you spend more time around people who come from different places. And you know, one of the great wonders of major league clubhouses, and I'd say even more so minor league clubhouses, is when you get 16 and 18 and 21 year old, you know, young people who who are now integrated in such a way where I mean, you, you really in, in a minor league camp, you're you're you get 50, 60 brothers that you're operating with, and it's it's pretty phenomenal. And and many of them taught me how you know to speak whatever form of Spanish I'm able to speak. <laughs> uh, Many of them taught me a different world that they come from. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in the suburbs near the beach in New Jersey. And, and, you know, a lot of the guys that I played with didn't have that, that same kind of fortune. You know, they, they grew up in the Dominican Republic with a dirt floor or in the inner cities and, and really had to fight a much different fight than I did to get there. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't tell you the education that it's been for me personally. And, and I'd say even these last, you know, five years now with the Mariners is there five seasons with the Mariners. We have an incredibly diverse clubhouse and, and every day I learn something from, from being around those people, whether it's something cultural or something, you know, about the food that, that, that they eat or the, the, the conversations. It's, it's, it's really, it's changed my life. I know my life wouldn't be the same had I not been, I guess, educated in that forum. That was Jerry DePoto. Mariners GM on with Danny and Gallant yesterday. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball players, they said they will not take another pay cut and have rejected the league's plan to begin the season, according to a statement Thursday from Union Executive Director Tony Clark. The statement came after a two-hour conference call of the association's executive board, several other Major League Players Association player leaders, and one day after the league rejected a proposal from the players to play 114 games with full prorated salaries. The league wants a drastically reduced schedule in order for owners to be able to pay players on a per-game basis because they are sticking with uh, that that belief that they will lose a ton of money per game played and say they either want to play less games at the full prorated salaries or they originally proposed the 82-game schedule but with sliding pay cuts. Uh, we heard from Jeff Passan yesterday on what makes this so frustrating uh, in the negotiation-wise. In a very confusing place because right now Major League Baseball feels like it has the advantage. It has the ability to say to the players, we are going to make the season what we want it to be. You guys want your full prorated share of your salary? Fine, we'll, we'll give you that. We're just gonna do it over 50 games. And, and the players now have a choice. They either can move somewhere toward the middle and try and make some kind of a, it's not even a counter proposal at this point, but an offer to the league saying, okay, if you're going to play hardball, we're going to go along with you. Or they can do what they are planning on doing right now, which is staying right there and letting the days continue to take away with no baseball. And that, Scott, is the most frustrating part of these entire negotiations. Also, Major League Baseball and MLBPA in a unique situation where, 
Neither party really has leverage over one another, according to Passan. I, I mean, MLB seems to think so, and its owners seem to think so. You know, one owner this week said, we're going to play baseball. And I think his perspective was more like, okay, if the union doesn't come to play here, we're just going to tell them this is what you have to do. We're going to set a schedule, and you're going to abide by it. And in truth, Scott, there's nothing that the union can do about that in terms of, say, a strike. No, can't do it. It would be an illegal strike. It would be against the collective bargaining agreement. It would be overturned immediately. Individual players going and saying, well, I'm not going to do this. If, if I was scheduled to make $563,500, the league minimum this year, you already cut that in half for missing half of the season. And now you want to end up paying me $180,000 or $200,000 to go out and play baseball? great amount of money, don't get me wrong, but I'm not sure that young players want to do that. The, the problem is, uh, by their March agreement, it says unless you are on an active roster, you do not get service time. And if you do not report, you're going to be put on the restricted list. So the players' backs are against the wall right now. Now, they do have one thing, at least, in their advantage, and that is the playoff format is not part of that March 26th agreement. Major League Baseball wanted to expand from 10 to 14 teams in the playoffs this year. If they don't have a deal with the players, there's absolutely no way that the players are going to okay a playoff expansion. And that's, you know, tens, hundreds, potentially millions of dollars that they would lose out on by having expanded playoffs. Coming up on the Blitz, it is time for the hot list. The Sports World reacting to Drew Brees' comments made earlier this week in an interview with Yahoo Finance, including some of his teammates and why this could be just a good teaching moment for open dialogue and open conversation. It's next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Hearing from athletes during this time, especially athletes who have personally experienced racism in this country have been powerful to hear their personal accounts and their stories, but also to hear from their teammates speaking up and advocating to be a part of positive change, not a part of the problem. The NFL players released a statement yesterday, and I, I want to play this for you. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you to listen to your players? What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 I am George Floyd. I am. Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Gardner. I am Laquan McDonald. I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown Jr. I am Samuel Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We assert our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people 
We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Pretty powerful there as well. Also, some individual teams releasing statements uh, of their own and the Packers putting together one as well. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed as a human. Tired. Frustrated. Heartbroken. Disappointed. Distraught. Disgusted. Disgusted. The inhumane murder of George Floyd has become a far too common image in America. We're here today to say no more. No more. Enough. 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 Enough is enough. People who look like me should not be afraid around law enforcement. I'm human, just like all of you. My blood is red and my heart pumps that blood. I'm a human too. I believe the issue to be systemic. And because it's systemic, we all can play a part in fixing this. We need structural reform, uh, not only from the community, but from law enforcement in a collaborative way. Antiquated laws and legislation needs to be amended or repealed, especially those that are prejudicially biased to people of color. Racism is taught and learned. It's not something you're born with. Let's do a better job of educating our youth and the younger people behind us. We come up with real solutions to make significant change. The right actions speak a lot louder than the right words. We stand united against racism, against police brutality, we stand against a broken system. Against oppression. Against injustice. Injustice. We stand against injustice. We ask that you commit to listening with an open heart. It's time we all educate ourselves and put action to words. It's time for a change. For change. It is time for change. It is time for change. It's time for change. It is time for change. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty powerful there. Also been great to give athletes a platform to explain their different experiences across each of the sports. Tori Hunter was on yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Spain and Co., but he was on ESPN Radio yesterday talking about how people need to just listen, plain and simple. He also explained how and why he had a no-trade clause to Boston his entire uh, career. I've been called the N-word in Boston a hundred times, and I said something about it. You know, and, oh, he's just a militant. He's lying. This didn't happen. No, it happened all the time from little kids. And grown-ups right next to him didn't say anything. You know, you know what? Don't say anything. So I had a no-trade clause in everything I had not to go to Boston. Not because of all the people. Not because of the teammates. Not because of the front office. Because if if you're doing that and allowing it amongst the people, I don't want to be there. And, and that's why I had a no-trade clause to Boston. I mean, every contract I've ever had. So, um, And I always wanted to play for him. And, it, and it, it sucks. Just sad to hear that. Uh, Bomani Jones uh, is one voice I always love hearing from as well. And he gave his thoughts yesterday. Drew Brees' comments creating a lot of backlash, including some from his teammates yesterday. Drew Brees apologizing first in a statement, then in a video that he put out on his Instagram. And Bomani, uh, you can listen to On the Right Time with Bomani Jones, said he didn't think Drew Brees expected this backlash. When these questions come up, this is the Drew Brees answer. Like, this is the answer that's in line with his brand. And I imagine that he was stunned 
when after the fact it turned out to be the way that it did with the way that players were reacting because this doesn't sound terribly different from what he's been. He's been the guy that's the first out with the American flag and all of those things. And then you look up on TV and people on the street in New Orleans are saying, Blake Drew Brees, Malcolm Jenkins, his former teammate and our current teammate, is telling him to shut the bleep up. He's got to fix it with the dudes on the team. Like, my first thought when this happened was, well, he's going to have to do, like, the Today Show or something like that and fix it. But the audience that needs to hear him is really not the general public, aside from, like, whatever his future with NBC is going to be. His audience has got to be his guys on that team. And it sounds like Demario Davis is okay with it, but I don't know about those other dudes, and I don't know if Googling handshake against racism and then putting that picture on Instagram, and that is the tag on that photo on Getty Images, just so you know, it handshake against racism. That ain't necessarily the most sincere way to go about it, no matter what the caption is. Demario Davis, the teammate he mentioned, Saints linebacker, on his reaction to Drew Brees' apology. What I, will, what I will say about Drew, um, you know, we, the reason that was uh, uh, upset, you know, people were upset the first time was because he didn't speak towards uh, racism. And he didn't speak towards uh, the plight of, of the black community. And that's what we had to hope he would have elaborated on the first time. But what I what I can say is Drew showed uh, the ultimate uh, move of a leader. He owned his mistake. He owned his mistake and he moved the conversation back to the issue, which he should have spoke on the first time. That's 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 the essence of a leader, and I think that's a model for for all of America, especially that's America that's that's not of color. Uh, speaking of those teammates as well, they've had a team meeting, according to Mike Triplett. Uh, he reported on that this morning and saying that no no teammates are giving Drew Brees a free pass. Well, nobody is giving Drew Brees a free pass, Mike. But it was a, a positive meeting in that. A lot of guys got things off their chest. It didn't get too emotional. Breeze spoke. Uh, there was a positive dialogue, I was told, between him and Malcolm Jenkins, who we heard from the other day. And a couple players described it as really important for them to have this kind of meeting. And hopefully these kind of difficult conversations, they say, are taking place all over the country. Obviously a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment with Drew Brees, but also an understanding, I think, from a lot of his teammates that he is going to try to do everything in his power to make it right if he can Nate Boyer, former NFL player and Green Beret, on his reaction to Drew Brees' comments as well. Just knowing what type of person uh, you know Drew, B- Drew Brees is and, and what he's done for the community in New Orleans and you know honestly what he's done uh, for the people of color down there. He's done he's done a lot, and not just post Katrina, but you know he he helped uh, this last uh, this last couple of years. He helped secure voting rights for formerly incarcerated people in New Orleans, you know, alongside Demario Davis and other players from the Saints. So, you know, and, and I know and I know he does care. It just seemed when I watched that thing, when I heard that, it just seemed like there wasn't a ton of thought given the time. You know what I mean? And it was a mistake and it was something yeah. that that, you, you know, you can feel a certain way. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, I, I think we all should be entitled to, to having those feelings. But there's also things you need to think about before you need to, you know, before you say it. And especially in these times. With everything going on, it just seems, man, it seemed kind of off. It seemed kind of like, it's almost like you missed what was going on. Buffalo Bills rookie quarterback Jake Fromm apologized yesterday after screenshots emerged of a text conversation in which he said, quote, only elite white people should be able to purchase guns. The conversation, which took place in 2019 and was posted to Twitter yesterday morning, involved Fromm and a friend discussing guns. Fromm wrote, quote, but no guns are good. They need to let me get suppressors before adding, 
quote, just make them very expensive so only elite white people can get them. Ha ha ha. Fromm went on to say he was not an elite white person later in the conversation, and he said in a statement posted to Twitter on Thursday afternoon, quote, I am extremely sorry that I chose to use the words elite white people in a text message conversation, although I never meant to imply that I am an elite white person. As stated later in the convo, there's no excuse for that word choice and sentiment. While it was poor, my heart is not. Now more than ever, it's the time for support and togetherness, and I stand against racism 100%. His team coming out uh, with a statement as well saying they support him, that he was open and honest about that conversation, and he apologized in a team meeting. Uh, Rain captain Megan Rapino is not training with the team in Montana, according to the Seattle Times. Their report yesterday, the Rain is prepping for the National Women's Soccer League's Challenge Cup to be played in Utah later this month. 34-year-old Rapino, one of soccer's biggest stars and just one of the coolest uh, women ever, uh, leading the U.S. Women's National Team to a World Cup win last summer and earning the FIFA Women's Player of the Year Award in September. So just a little update on that. And basketball. Is returning. The NBA Board of Governors voted Thursday to approve a 22-team format to restart the 2019-2020 season, July 31st, in Orlando, Florida. According to ESPN, the vote was 29-1, to with only the Portland Trailblazers voting against the proposal uh, July 31st for that start date. Of course, they still need formal approval by the Players Association, but that is expected to pass, so good news in the sporting world for that. That is a wrap for the hot list and the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant is coming your way in seconds. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody, and take care of one another.